Out Alive is made possible by Outside Plus subscribers. iOS users can now explore content from more than 30 publications in the Outside Plus app. Browse gear reviews, training plans, travel guides, videos, and the survival stories you love. Download the Outside Plus app now from the App Store and use your Outside Plus login to get started. Outside Plus, the one subscription to fuel all your adventures. Welcome to this episode of Survival Shorts by Out Alive, a podcast dedicated to showcasing extraordinary feats of survival and courage. There is a shorter video version of this story at backpacker.com slash outalive, featuring the actual video of this rescue. What you're hearing today is an extended audio that we didn't have time to include in the video version. Our team was recently forwarded this video, and it's the kind of thing you hear about, but rarely are these stories recorded. While you're watching, you can't help but feel an alignment of fate and circumstance, as if the universe conspired to bring the hero to the exact spot at the perfect moment. During this episode, you're going to hear from two people. One voice you'll hear is Francis Zuber, a Washington local who was skiing Mount Baker during a huge powder day. Francis was wearing his GoPro and just out of bounds when he happened to see a snowboard sticking out of the snow. It took him a few moments to realize the snowboarder was buried alive and unable to get out of the tree well he'd fallen into. You'll also hear from Paul Bauer, the global expert in snow immersion suffocation. Since 2001, Bauer has logged every publicized case of snow immersion suffocation, or SIS, in the United States. After a 30-year career on ski patrol, Paul has now devoted the last 20 years to educating resort skiers on SIS. So without further ado, here is Francis Zuber. My name is Francis Zuber. I'm currently living in Bellingham, Washington. It was on Friday, March 3rd, and uh, I mean, it was an incredible day. The snow was extremely deep that day. It was probably the best week of the year, honestly. It snowed, I think, four feet throughout the week. So the conditions were all time. I was texting a buddy and then him and I were like, okay, well, you know, let's, let's check out some out of bounds areas, uh, go over outside the rope area at Mount Baker. And we had our proper beacon shovel probe, all that stuff with us. So we headed over there and he takes off and I'm right behind him. And we, I start going through those trees. One danger of skiing the trees in deep snow is tree wells. An outside editor explained it like this. The fuzzy green branches of a pine tree often obscure the well created by the trunk, which can be several feet deep depending on the height of the snowpack. Loose snow or powder in the pit can act like quicksand for an unlucky person who falls in head first. Here's Paul Bauer, the snow immersion suffocation expert. These happen at ski areas or they are related to ski areas. This isn't a, a backcountry thing, even though, yes, they do occur in the backcountry. It's all about the exposures to risk. On a good day, a backcountry tour might, you know, get four or five laps in from some peak, you know, but, uh, but, but if you're riding a lift, you know, you might make 20 laps and get powder and so forth, and you've got a whole bunch of more people with you that are competing for that same powder, which brings us to the next piece of this. Anything where the timber is tight 
and you get closer to the trees and think, okay, now all the easy snow is skied out that's in the middle, but now we're going in closer to the trees to get that last little bit of powder. And that's when we tend to see accidents. It's really a Western uh, U.S. and Canada type thing. And so what that means is steep carnivorous forests in the western mountains where you have deep unconsolidated snow often associated with a storm i start going through those trees they're a little tighter than i would have liked i was going quick so i just sort of do this jump turn kind of thing and fall over on purpose dump all my speed if i had come flying out of that second sort of grouping of trees there i definitely would not have seen ian's snowboard sticking out of the snow but because i was going so slow out of those trees it caught my attention uh, just this flash of red and you know it made me stop and I looked up back uphill oh shit you all right I saw his red board wiggling back and forth I was like oh my god like, there's somebody stuck there and at first glance I didn't realize he was buried initially but then when I yelled up to him and he didn't answer I knew there was an issue and that I needed to get to him and that he was buried as I'm sure you know, if you've been in deep snow like that, it's very hard to move uphill. So that 10 feet or so could have been, a, might as well have been a mile. It was very difficult. And it was also the scariest part of the whole thing because I didn't know how long he'd been in there for. So I was really scared that he was going to die in there as I was trying to, struggling to get to him. I tried sidestepping up to him at first and I step out of my skis because I realized that sidestepping wasn't going to work, work at all. And you hear me start cursing because I just sunk because the snow was essentially bottomless. And so I sink in and I'm like really pissed at myself in that moment. I was like, oh my God, was that the wrong call? Was that the, a bad thing to do? It was certainly exhausting getting to him. And I pretty much sunk. Essentially, when I tr started like really trying to scramble uphill, I was just deep in the snow. And I'm trying to use like my skis as a ladder at one point, and that's not really working too well. And I basically just had to clear the snow out in front of me until I could reach for his snowboard and use that for leverage. And then using his snowboard for leverage, get up over him and have a better angle to start uh, digging him out uh, with my hands. Most of these people have had partners, and the partners get below them, the partners never see them. They usually wait at the bottom of the lift. Sometimes they call patrol, sometimes they don't. But 10, 15 minutes, that's your window. And that can even sometimes, that amount of time is not enough. If you're like in the snow like he was that far down, you can't hear anything, you can't see anything, your air's running out, you're in the pitch black. You might as well be in concrete. I have my Avi One certification. Just read up and watch rescue stuff whenever I can. But yeah, that was my first time uh, doing something like that. And I was hoping and expecting actually him to be like sitting up a little bit almost, like not like maybe a little more horizontal than he actually was. But he was pretty much inverted, just about not totally upside down, but pretty close. So yeah, it took much longer than I expected to to dig down to him. But come on, help me out. But I mean, that being said, I. I think I still made the right call, digging with my hands first rather than taking the shovel out, just not knowing how long he'd been there for. I needed to get to his airway first and foremost before doing anything else. But yeah, I did not expect him to be as far down as he was. You okay? You all right? Okay, you're good. You're good, I got you. You okay? Can you breathe? Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. We're both gonna... Catch your breath for a sec. I'm gonna help dig you out, okay? Thank you. Yeah, no problem, man. The guy that did the rescue was just, he did everything right. And I mean, when you watch it, and I, you know, I've been in the rescue business for a long time, 
and that, you know, him huffing and puffing and cursing and using his hands instead of his shovel, he did everything right. It was so real. You know, he nailed it. it so that, you know, hero status, perfect, good job, all that, you know, the fact that he noticed it. I mean, you saw how close he was and how difficult it was to get from there. And he didn't even have to go uphill. No one else showed up at any point. Even after the video ends, when I turn the GoPro off, coming back to my senses and bring that the thing even existed, I, I shut it off and dig him out the rest of the way. And then I pull him out and give him a big hug and say, I'm glad you're okay. And Okay, you all right? I'm good. Okay, okay. I'm gonna back up for a second, get my shovel out, okay? Thank you. You're good, man, you good. And he's like, thank you, thank you for stopping. You saved a life today. And so we just reconvened and debriefed for a quick second and he radioed down to his buddies and let them know that he was buried, but he's okay now, that I dug him out. This was a great lucky example. If that guy didn't come by at the time that he did and his partners had to go back and look for him, dead for sure. No question about it, I'm just positive I can say that. My ski partner that I was with, he could see me. You can't see him in the video, but he's he's down on the other side of, of this valley that we were initially gonna cut across there. So he could see me and he thought that I had just lost the ski and that I was digging for a ski. And then, you know, then he heard another voice and he realized that something bigger had happened. But uh, yeah, no one came by throughout the entire time that this whole thing happened. And uh, Ian's buddies that he was with, his other three ski partners, I think they said that maybe two other groups passed them because they were also in the same area that my ski partner was. Um, so I think two other groups passed them and you know they asked if they had seen a guy with a blue jacket and they said no. If you don't want to ski steep deep powder, you know, your chances of snow immersion are greatly reduced. If you don't ski the trees, your chances are greatly reduced. You know, so it's what you do and when you do it. And if you do it during periods of unconsolidated snow, which let's face it, that's the main time you want to be in those locations I just described, right? Um, so it's it's very much a dark side of powder. You know, we all love powder, myself included. But you know, it has that extra risk that comes with it. It's all about keeping a partner in sight that is close enough to be able to render assistance to you if you need it. You have a discussion with your partners and you decide how you want to see the terrain. Do whatever you can to avoid falling forward. You know, if that means skiing with your weight back a little bit, I know that sounds bad, but at the end of the day, it's the forward fall that becomes lethal. If you found yourself unlucky enough to be propelled forward, heading for the tree, spread out, make yourself as big as you can, do whatever you can to grab branches, stay out of the inverted position. I think he was a little bit in shock for sure because he, he initially when he got fell into the tree well, uh, kind of expected his buddies to come get him pretty quickly. And, and then a minute or so passes and they're not coming. And then he hears them on the radio asking where he is. Um, and that's when he knew he was in trouble and tries to get himself out, which obviously would have been impossible to do. So he, he struggles for a minute and then just goes back to being still and trying to slow his breathing down and preserve his air. But so I think probably at that point, he was just waiting to die almost, he had just or just hoping that somebody else would come around. And then I showed up and was able to dig him out. So I think there was definitely a little bit of shock, but uh, yeah, he was fairly calm. And I think I made that remark to him at some point that I was like, man, you're really calm for this whole situation. I'm freaking out. And I told that to my wife later and she's a veterinarian. She's like, well, he was probably in shock, Francis. I think that's why he was so calm. So. 
Never been stuck in a tree well, never had to dig anyone out of a tree well or an avalanche, anything like that. So yeah, that's my first time. And yeah, I mean, it's certainly made me reassess my protocols with my ski partners, just staying in communication with each other at all times, trying not to get the powder panic and just charging down through the trees or through the deep snow because it's so good. Looking back, hooting and hollering, making sure everybody's in the vicinity and stuff like that. It's definitely made us, me and my ski partners, reassess the way we, we do things in the backcountry and the side country and even inbounds on through the trees and stuff like that. Still uh, processing it, I think, coming to terms with it. It's, so yeah, it's still hard to put into words, honestly. I mean, it, it feels good. It's an incredible feeling, saving someone's life and dealing with the whole sort of existential aspect of it and people giving you praise and stuff like that. It's a lot, it's a lot to take in. And yeah, it's gonna be a while, I think, before I fully process the whole thing. But mostly a shout out to, uh, to Ski Patrol and search and rescue crews out there that they're doing this stuff every day, all the time. Like you don't really hear about the incidents as much, but they are out there like doing some incredible work. They just don't have GoPros on their heads as they do it. They don't get nearly enough recognition. So I just want to shout them out and say that they deserve way more gratitude than they get. This episode of Out Alive was produced and written by me, Louisa Albanese. My co-producer is Zoe Gates. Music scoring and sound design by Jason Patton. Thank you to Francis Zuber and Paul Bauer for sharing your stories with us. If you have a burning survival question or a story you want to share, you can email me at outalive at outsideinc.com. Mm-hmm.